guys, welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela, and I'm very excited for today's podcast. Um, but first, a little word from my co-host, Dave Yates. Hey, everybody. Dave Yates here. Uh, happy to be in the 12 Questions podcast. Uh, we, we have a clarity statement that we like to start reading at the beginning of our episodes. Uh, so welcome to 12 Questions podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where we believe that personal growth and recovery isn't just for sober people. Our mission is to share our experience and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, or any other 12-step organizations. 12 uh, Questions Pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of this podcast is to learn more about ourselves. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Uh, and with that said, uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, uh, our guest today, Mishka Shubali. Mishka is a, a, a critically acclaimed writer and musician. Uh, some of his books include The Long Run and most recently, uh, Cold Turkey, How to Quit Drinking Without Drinking, uh, available now on Audible exclusively. So please, everybody, welcome Mishka Shubali. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. Can I just say that's oh. the most professional this podcast has ever been? Yeah? <laughs> I love it. Hi, Mishka, how are you? I'm, I'm glad that I'm a high watermark for once. Truly. <laughs> It's the, the opposite. The um, thank you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I uh, I'm super psyched to be here. I uh, the questions that you gave me are uh, terrifying and very <laughs> and uh, I uh, I can wait to get into them. All right, <laughs> let's. Well, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, we can hop, we can hop into it. Um, but I just want to say thank you, and for everybody who's listening out here. Um, Again, you know, these questions are just to generate a conversation uh, for overall well-being. So uh, we're going to try to have some fun with it as well. So let's go. Question one, <laughs> Mishka, what does surrender look like to you? I love that you just like like a total mercenary, like, okay, and any, enough about me. Let's go right, you know, the, <laughs> the, I do so many podcasts with comics and it's like a a funny contest where we're everybody's trying to out, you know, outsmart, out funny each other. And, um, and that's good. I love, I dig funny. I love it. But also there's, you know, there's a ton of, there's always a ton of serious shit to talk about. And I love that Dave just immediately was like, okay, so, uh, uh, you know, what are your deepest, darkest secrets? What does yeah. surrender look like to me? The, um, man, this this question for me, this was the hardest one for me because I think that's, um, well, I mean, I should clarify that I am, uh, I am in recovery. Uh, I, I would identify myself as unclean and sober, um, where I, um, I'm entirely 100% abstinent from alcohol, um, but I'm an outspoken uh, proponent of mushrooms and LSD and DMT as um, not uh, not drugs like heroin or methamphetamine or whatever, but actually powerful anti-addiction medications. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, um, so I think, 
in my head, when I heard that question, I instantly phrased, you know, I, I, I um, thought of all the recovery narratives and sobriety stories that I've read and that I've heard, you know, of the sort of like lowly sinner falling to his knees and saying, please, <laughs> please God, change me. And I've never had a moment like that. Yeah. The, um, I think the best and worst thing about me is that surrender comes so hard for me. Mm. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's good that I'm one of those people who's like, no, I'm not done fighting. Like I, I still, you know, but also, um, that was something that enabled me to, uh, to keep drinking for way longer than I should have, you know, it's like I, <laughs> as 17, I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm an alcoholic. I don't, it, none of my other, you know, my other friends are like this with alcohol. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, a short 15 years later, uh, finally quit, you know, um, I, I can totally relate. I, like when I was growing up, I can remember if we were lucky enough to steal like a 12 pack of ice house, all my <laughs> friends, all my friends would have two. And I'd be like, oh, no, give me as many as I, I give me as many as you'll let me have before people got angry. And it's like yeah. it, back back then you're just like, yeah, so I drank fucking seven of these and I'm 14. You know, you think yeah. that makes you cool, at least for me. So, yeah, yeah my first drink was an entire 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um yeah, I think I drank a six pack or most of a six pack of uh Budweiser Tall Boys. And I was like, you know, just that sensation of like, oh fuck, yeah, this is this is who I'm supposed to be, you know, yeah. finally arriving, you know. Mm. Um I think surrender is actually something that I, I seek now in my life, you know, which, um, I was a distance runner for, for a while and I still like, I like hard workouts. I like exerting myself. Um, it's, that's my um, thing too. Yeah. It's so I love like, you know, doing boxing sprints or kickboxing sprints or something like that until your lips are blue. And then you're like, I think just gasping for air like that's it. I can't, I can't do anymore. I can't do, I can't do one more, you know, that, like a beat or, you know, doing a, um, doing a 50 mile race or something. And then by the end of that, you're just like, I, I can't run another step, you know? Um, it, it, so, it sounds like you're like me in the way that I, I like to force myself into, into surrender. Like I don't just naturally surrender to most things. Uh, the unfortunate fact about me in this regard is like, when the pain like of thi- when the pain of things staying the same is greater than the pain of change that's only when change happens for me like yeah. the, the 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 unknown has to severely outweigh the things staying the same and like i'm i'm a workaholic now that i don't drink you know so i will work myself into exhaustion just so i can fall asleep at night so my head doesn't run a million miles an hour yeah the, this this is the thing for me though is that like um maybe you see that as something negative about you, but for me, it's something positive because you're able to speak honestly and openly about that. And when I hear that, I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah, me too. You know? And it's, um, so thanks. The, um, the, what I came up with, with a, as a response to this question, it strikes me as totally banal, but maybe in that it's useful in that when I think about surrender, I, I have chronic back pain, 
um, like Dave, I'm too tall for this five foot six world. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and he, Dave and I both drive tiny cars, which is idiotic. And uh, <laughs> so you just spend your life, you know, either hunched over the keyboard or hunched over a guitar or hunched over the steering wheel. And my back hurts all the time. Mm. And alcohol was my favorite painkiller. And one of the, and, you know, just after my book came out, I, my back got really, really bad. So I'd just been sort of writing all the time and hunched over and, um, and I had a couple of really dark months where I was like, oh, do, am I, do I just like go back because I can't bear the pain? And one of the things that I found was um, getting a lacrosse ball and laying on the floor and just rolling it the ball around until it gets to the spot where it hurts the most and then just stay there. And so, you know, we... <laughs> As addicts, we predicated our lives on avoidance of pain. And in order to stop the pain in my back, I had to find the most painful part and then just stay there and like breathe the pain into me. And, yeah. you know, after 30 seconds of doing that, you feel like you're fucking levitating. But yeah. that's the only thing that fixes my back. Um, so it is. That's my, I guess that's my answer to what surrender looks like to me. And uh, it's a surrender. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I agree with you in the way that it, it, uh, it's a longer road to get the same result. You know, whether it be two minutes longer or an hour longer, you know, for, I was a, I was a microwave, uh, microwave speed, get rid of my problem. You know, yeah. and, and alcohol, alcohol and hard drugs for me worked exactly the way I wanted them to work. Uh, whereas I, I put this in me, I set, I set the timer to defrost and I it don't matter what you were doing to me, you know? So it's like yeah. I'm navigating, um, you know, accept, I think acceptance and surrender for me is kind of simultaneous where it's like, all right, I can't do it the old way, the fast way. So I, I have to surrender to the fact that it's going to take a little bit more work, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, for those of you listening who are familiar with Mishka's work, uh, his book was about him becoming an ultra marathon runner as a way to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, combat alcoholism. Am I, am I speaking correctly in that? The yes. And, um, I was able to stop drinking, but then I was like, well, what the fuck do I do with my life? And yeah. running answered that yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. Physical exercise very quickly. When I had about 90 days, I started uh, taking martial arts classes and that very much became my, um, I had, you know, second degree black belt, used to teach the whole nine, ran, surf, done all of that. And um, I reached a point where, you know, about 15 years of that went by and my back got thrashed. And now it's taken, now I'm at this next level of surrender where it's um, now more mental and a lot more about acceptance. And, um, but I do understand that like that runner's high as replacement for drugs and alcohol. Woo, it's a good one. It is a great one. <laughs> the, um, it's funny, I was sort of like listening to myself as we were talking about this. And I'm remind, remembering, too, that in early sobriety, one of the things that I figured out that is totally analogous to the lacrosse ball thing is um, 
I learned early on that like when I had one of those sort of moments of fury or panic or sadness or whatever, not to uh, not to go to the microwave to use Dave's analogy, um, but instead to just sit in the feeling. Right. If you're going to get angry, get as allow yourself to get as angry as possible. If you're going to get sad. Think of the saddest things you can think of. You know, and um, that's very much like using the, the lacrosse ball and in, in sort of inflicting severe pain on myself to make the pain go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, that analogy totally works, um, you know, with, with mental too. Well, there yeah. you go. We helped you write your next book. We got it. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, now uh, question two, what is the, uh, what has been the most insane moment you've had, whether it be pre pre not drinking or post the i mean i've got to say it was getting shipwrecked because that was just sort of like getting picked up out of my normal everyday day-to-day life and just getting dropped into a movie or a book or something like that where i just um and um and and also like getting shipwrecked then you're in crisis too so it's not like um it's not like, whoa, that was so crazy. And then it's <laughs> over. I was, like, I was like, this is so crazy. And also, I have to find a way to get out of here alive. And so for those of you listening, he doesn't mean shipwrecked as in hyperbole. <laughs> he means actually shipwrecked. Actual, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he means yeah. actual stranded uh, 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 on an island. So uh, Wait, Wilson? Did you have a Wilson? Tell me all about it. <laughs> I no longer enjoy long walks on the beach. <laughs> the um in uh in 2001 uh the july 3rd uh we ran i was screwing on a 50-foot sailboat we ran aground on the uninhabited point of an island uh in greater Anagua in the bahamas and uh we radioed for help and shot off flares and everything and uh couldn't get help and then the next morning the captain was like um there's a town 25 miles this way, I'm going to go walk for help. And I was like, going to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then we argued back and forth. And finally, you know, finally I was like, listen, dude, like, uh, you have a wife, you have a family. Um, I'm expendable. I'm just a fucking shithead drunk. I haven't done anything <laughs> in my life. You know, <laughs> you know uh, I got to go. And um, if I'm not back this time tomorrow, then you get to go. But for right now, I'll be the sacrifice, you know. That's wild. And uh, and the Coast Guard estimates I walked between 24 and 32 miles before I got picked up. Um, it sucked, sucked so bad. Um, the uh, but you know, even then, I didn't get a moment of surrender. I, there was one point where I almost gave up, where I, I did fall on my knees in the sand and cry because I thought I was going to die and I was never going to see my mom again. But I fucking got up and kept going. You know, um, but yeah, that was, that was a crazy, crazy experience in it. Um, it took me a long time to make sense of that experience, but then when I did, when I was able to make, make sense of it, it sort of helps me every day. Um, you know, you're fucking sitting in traffic or something. I'm like, well, not like I'm shipwrecked right now. (laughs) (laughs) It could be worse. Uh, 
<laughs> That's a, a very, you, it seems like you've led a very extreme life, like, um, which I totally understand. How in that, like in, in those extremes, do you make decisions? The, um, I mean, it's funny because like, I'm very, I mean, it's particularly now I'm very pragmatic when it comes to making decisions. Mm. Um, I, I mean, this makes me sound like your dad or something like that, but I will make a list of pros and cons and the, um, and the more, uh, the more urgent something feels the if it feels incredibly urgent to send an email to say, fuck you, man, you know, then I force myself to wait the next day to send it. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't feel urgent, then I can send the email that day or make the decision that day. But I I learned uh, from being in in bands um, where everybody's, it's like, uh, it's like, what is it? Um, What was it? Shelter Island. Uh, everyone here is crazy. <laughs> the, that's what it's like being in bands, you know. And um, so I just learned, you know, when when somebody pisses you off, to 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 write that email and uh, yeah, leave it in your drafts folder for 24 hours before you send it. Um, and if you still feel the same way 24 hours later, then then fuck yeah, burn that bridge. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, because then it it probably is representative of how you feel. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but it, you know, the the more important it feels in the moment to tell someone off or to quit the job or whatever, yeah, um, yeah I force myself to wait. Yeah, I, I'm a habitual I'm a habitual comment and delete on social media. Like I will okay. write I will write stuff and then I fucking just go nope. Yeah. That's that that's as close that's as close to, to 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 being in line with uh, trying to be more kind than unkind as I can do as I. I try to de- I delete the comment before I hit send. Yeah, the, the best things I've written this year all use the backspace key. <laughs> yeah. Like, Whoa, get me out of here, you know? But, but also, it's a valuable exercise to write the fucking comment out oh, yeah. and then to delete it. Because it, it, to see the comment um, gives us a moment to have an internal dialogue to say, oh man, that that's really going to sting and is cruel what I want to add to my resume like right now. Do I really yeah. want to rip this person up that hard? You know? Um, so yeah, don't uh, never, ever look at my drafts folder. <laughs> <laughs> well, Some fucking it's, horrendous it's, shit in there. <laughs> well, it, it's also healthy because it's like, otherwise it becomes bottled for me. You know, uh, with with an email that doesn't get sent or a comment that gets deleted before before sending, it is the exercise of because I'm a stuffer. Like I will stuff, I will stuff anger and frustration and stuff like that. Um, so so the act of actually uh, uh, letting it seep out a little bit or or pushing the blow off valve a little bit for the pressure in the old brain machine up here that it it increases my ability to come closer to making right decisions not that i always make them um you know with booze or without booze uh i i've still made some fucking terrible decisions right 
I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person I tend to, I, I process my feelings pretty quickly and verbally, and I tend to say exactly what I mean right in the moment. And what I've, I've had to cultivate is actually walking away from the interaction, ruminating on it, then responding. Because mm-hmm. for the stuffers in my life, I'll leave them a little time bomb <laughs> without realizing it. So I, I totally understand. I'm fascinated by your recovery journey, uh, mostly because when I used, I used a lot of hallucinogens and I got a lot of positive experiences out of it. I sort of explained it to people that like, I used acid and mushrooms when I was 13 to 20. So I, um, I kicked open my third eye pretty quickly. I, t- I only breath work now. And I'm fascinated by what you've learned in your recovery journey so far, taking that route as opposed to taking a 12-step route. The, um, it's funny. It's, um, I don't know. There's, you guys are asking great questions because I, it, there's like six, I get six responses in my head and they all try and make it through the door at the same time. Say them all, man. Take the time. The <laughs> you floor know, is yours. Yes. Um, I, you know, for the record, for me, um, the I found acid, DMT, uh, mushrooms to be powerful anti-addiction me- medications, and there are accredited scientific medical studies that back that up. However, um, people um, people can kill themselves by drinking too much water. So, if you're determined to make something into a poison, you will make it into a poison. You know. And um, I, um, I love to argue with Mark Lanigan, a friend of mine um, who's also in recovery, about you know, mushrooms and acid and stuff like that. Because he was like, oh, you know, I was frying on acid every day in high school. I was absolutely high on drugs. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, that's not so bright. Um, for me, you know, I have um, it. Uh, you know, whenever I talk to people about like, oh, you know, I ate mushrooms and I felt that like this, or I was crying or whatever, or I, you know, I looked at my, I looked at my arm and I was like, what, what is that thing? Well, it had, it's covered in brown hair. Most of my friends have brown hair. I guess it's a friend, you know, people are like, oh, that sounds like a bad trip. And it's like, well, every trip is a bad trip, man. Like there's bad parts to everything. And, um, there, there will be a time where I'll, I'll get scared or confused or, um, you know, they'll cry or, or, and there's always a part in it where like, man, I'm fucking done with this. I'm ready for this to be over. Um, but it, um, it's never felt like an escape for me. And instead it feels like doing a fun way of doing work, you know, kind of like running a marathon or. You know, a long trail run or something like that, where I always come out of it with, you know, with some wisdom. And, you know, to be honest, like, I, you know, I, when the quarantine hit, I was like, well, I'm going to need some supplies. And I, you know, I bought a big bag of mushrooms. I haven't been able to fucking touch them yet. You know, <laughs> like, they may sit there for a minute, you know, cause I, I'm just not, ah, not, uh, not. It's, it's intense right now. And any intensity in your life's going to come with you on the trip. If I remember correctly, like, well, I, I saw this uh, this movie that came out last year, Climax. Did you see that? No. It's about a dance troupe. It's a kind of a oh, horror it's not, movie. It's, it's not a porn. No. <laughs> Maybe I saw it, but I. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about a dance troupe, and that the monster in the house is that the dance troupe doesn't know that they've been dosed on a really strong 
acid. And so they kind of all lose their minds in respective ways. But what the film does really well is it, it actually simulates that experience for the viewer. So we were, it was, there were four of us in recovery there and one normie. And all of us were like, just staring up into the screen because we totally got what was going on. We totally were like heading back in that direction. We could feel it in our bones. And the normie was like, what the fuck are we watching? (laughs) And so I can just imagine like right now in quarantine, there is so much coming up and there's so much like shifting in the world and everything feels really intense. I, I, I'm with you. I'd probably just let them sit there for a minute. Yeah. And I, and to your point, um, I, I had this thought, you know, anything isn't medicine when you have to use it all day, every day, you yeah. know, like that's, yeah. and that's, and that's f- for me. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, like we, like we say in the beginning of the podcast, like we're all sharing our own individual experiences and we're not here, we're not here to say one way is the right way, you know, and that's the whole goal for me doing this podcast. But um, in regard to hearing you say, I've got a big bag of mushrooms and I haven't been able to touch it. I go, I would have had that fucking bag eaten. And that's just that day. That day. I would ate the whole bag. I would have drank a bottle with it and I would have gotten a fight with a neighbor. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's just me. Cause like <laughs> I, when I was, when I was living in Chicago selling the damn things, I would go pick up the weight mm. that I was getting. I would eat a fistful and then ride the subway, this, the piss smelling, dark, angry oh. subway. That's so I put myself, I'm like, I'm going to have a bad trip. Gulp. And I would ride the, the goddamn Chicago red line, like in, in like where by the time I got halfway home, like all the homeless started to look like monsters, you know, the, the, the odorous train car was more than anybody could handle without any mushrooms. So it's like, I, I, I am a proponent of listening to science and the research behind a lot of the ways that people are using to treat uh, not only whatever ails them, like mental illness wise, because it's like, there's a lot of side effects out there for a lot of uh, mental health drugs that are way worse than actual you, than, than the actual problem at hand. You know, uh, I, there's, there's a research study, if you look up, um, that they use MDMA in like Sweden or, or, uh, or somewhere over at maybe Sweden or Denmark, where they, they give the marriage couple, like people in marriage counseling, they give them like a half of a tenth of MDMA before the session and they sit them down for 30 minutes beforehand and they talk openly about their problems, you know? So, I mean, in the capacity, uh, that you're using it as actual medicine, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big, do whatever it takes for you to fucking get another day on this earth. You know, uh, I mean, if, if you look at the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson ate LSD uh, but under the care of, of physicians, because he thought it was going to get him to a, a, a better spiritual experience. Now, you know, do we do we say Bill Wilson wasn't sober? You know, I, I you know I, I don't have the answer to that. You know, I I only know what re- what my recovery looks like to me. You know, and and that's kind of where I feel like we're all on the same page. You know, at this juncture, um, this is one of the tricky things. You know, is that like. <clears throat> For, uh, you know, for some people, uh, peanuts are food. And for other people, peanuts are deadly poison. Mm-hmm. And for some people, a bee sting is an annoyance. And mm-hmm. for another person, that could be 
a death yeah. sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky because, you know, on the one hand, we're all human beings and there are some things that are sort of essential for every, every human experience. Um, the, but also we're all individual. And that's, mm-hmm. that I think is what, you know, part of why we, um, why recovery is so tricky is mm-hmm. um, what works for me may not work for you. And, you know, the, um, totally. so we have to approach it with a uh, multi-tiered, you know, approach of, well, if, if that doesn't work, then try this. If that doesn't work, then try this. If that, you know what I mean? That yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. Like Dave is a, uh, is a float tank guy. To me, a float <laughs> tank is a salty nap. Uh, <laughs> and I like breath work. And to Dave, that's a hyperventilation. Hyperventilation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to each their own. You know, I need a more yeah. physical activity to get me into that headspace because I'm a physical person. And have you watched Midnight Gospel on Netflix yet? I watched one episode and I was like, what the? F- I, I smoke DMT and I can't understand this. Like, what? I, what? <laughs> am I too Okay, so it's am a... I- <laughs> It's a podcast that's overlaid onto the um, the the animation, and so they're having these deep spiritual philosophical conversations, and then doing animation that sometimes corresponds with, but juxtaposes often with what's happening. And so, like in one episode, it's about chaos magic, and then what's being animated is the conflict between Elron Hubbard and Aleister Crawley. And it's in the fact that I got that right away would not have come to me if I didn't do drugs. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was just like, I understand the show completely. <laughs> but it's a very, I, I think, I would give it another chance. I don't think the first episode is very strong, but I would, okay. give, I would give the rest of the series another chance because it's really, really beautiful. And if you're kind of that spiritual seeker, willing to go into different realms to try different things, I highly recommend. So, um, I'll totally it, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, what would you say your level of honesty with like yourself or others and is with, with the way that you process things? I, I figured out, so my, you know, my mom very much, you know, when we were kids, you know, she said, you know, you just need to be honest. And like, if you did something and I asked you about it, you have to tell the truth and you'll get in less trouble than you do if you lie. And then I catch you in a lie. No, I mean, I, I very, I, I listened to my mom and I sort of internalized all those lessons and, um, still, you know, when I was a teenager, when I was sort of like, you know, getting into, you know, drinking and using drugs, I, I was like, oh, I could, I can just lie. I, I can just lie my way out of this. One of the things that I found is that I'm good at being honest, even when it sucks and I suck at lying. Um, partly because I, I don't have the CPU to keep track of all the different narratives that I've told people. (laughs) And if you're just trying to remember what actually happened, that's far easier just for an organizational thing. Um, and, uh, the, I don't know at this point, I, I just, I feel like I know no other way to be, um, yeah that I try to be ruthlessly honest with myself. Um, I think there's a difference between being honest and being open. I'm not always open with people. Um, you know, in my, 
in my head. I am honest with myself about what I'm struggling with, how I'm feeling, those kinds of things. But, um, but there are times when people are like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm fine. And sometimes that means I'm fine. And sometimes that means I don't want to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, um, the, well, because it, cause if you were to say, I don't want to talk about it with you, then that opens up a whole nother fucking can of worms yeah. with, with a personal interaction that you don't need. There's, there's a great, uh, comic by, um, the, uh, by Tim Kreider and you know, he's talking about sort of honesty in a relationship and, um, the, you know, it's, it's this sort of, uh, you know, this couple interacting and, um, you know, she, she comes in the door from work and she's like, you know, how was your day? Uh, you know, and he's like, well, you know, what did you do today? And she thinks about like, um, you know, I thought about pulling a train with, you know, these three guys from work. And he's like, I jerked off to you thinking about you as 14. And they're both like, oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's working honesty. You know, the Mark Marin has that thing about like being, being woke is like, being woke 85% of the time and the other 15% just keeping your mouth shut, like just not saying the thing that you're thinking, you know? And I, so I, I do, I think honesty is central to not just to like any relationship working, but to our survival as human beings in this realm. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's also like selection, you know, you have to curate your honesty sometimes. And like, you know, there are, there are times where, you should always be honest, but sometimes you need to be more honest than all times. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's the it's it's the extremism. I think that that's when people come into cons- like problems where it's just like I'm brutally honest with everybody. Well, you don't need to be, you know, or I'm like, or I'm I'm so dishonest that everything I I'm too afraid to let you know the truth. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you know too many people think it's got to be all one or all the other when you know. Uh, I guess the difference for me is I like, I have a conscience today. Like I used to drink away my conscience, you know? So like I had no, I had no real uh, care or worry about what I was saying was going to hurt you because that voice that says, maybe, maybe you should not. I was just like, nope, fuck you voice. I'm out of here, you know? And then, and then you take away the booze and that, that, that voice gets a little bit more clear where it's like, oh yeah, like we don't steal things anymore. Or, oh, yeah, like, we, we don't lie and cheat on our girlfriend anymore, you know? And that's, I mean, that's, it, I, it, to, to one degree or another, I think that voice could also be super loud when it shouldn't be, you know, where it turns, in, where it turns into anxiety, which, mm-hmm. how do you experience anxiety, Mishka? Let me give one more answer before we get into the next one. The um, talking about honesty. Um, we're at this weird place. I think I feel like as human beings where we can finally see things like gender on a spectrum, which when I grew up, it was option A or option B. It was the ultimate binary. You know, we think about honesty, we still see it as a binary. And so, so I think it's useful to, to see it as a ratio, to see it as on a spectrum so that if, you know, if, one day somebody is like, Oh, do these pants make my ass look big? And I'm like, no. And in really, in reality, they do. 
I don't have to be like, oh, I'm now I'm a dishonest person. You know, just that, oh, today, yesterday I was 88%. Today it was like 85. Tomorrow I'm going to try and get up to 90. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of um, well, tell me again the next question. What was anxiety? Well, is you're, so you're, you're honest fluid rather than gender fluid. <laughs> yes, you're, exactly. You're, you're honest fluid. <laughs> yes. And, and being honest fluid, sometimes you'll experience anxiety. How do you experience anxiety, Mishka? Fucking every way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I feel anxiety with a goat. I feel anxiety in a moat. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like green eggs and ham. I, um, I'm doing well right now. Uh, I think in part because I'm doing well, I'm getting enough sunshine and I'm, you know, a good sort of exercise streak and I'm eating well and like, um, but I will have moments of anxiety where it's, it's so intense that it feels like, it doesn't feel like a mental affliction. It feels like I've been poisoned, mm-hmm. you know, where you feel sort of like tension in the back of your skull, the back of your neck. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, constant checking and rechecking, looking at my phone. Oh, let me check this. Let me check that. Um, uh, it takes me like three or four tries to leave the house. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, like, okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. go. I'm gonna hit the hardware store at nine and yeah. then two p.m. And I'm like, oh, I gotta fucking go to the fucking hardware store. You know, <laughs> like just like putting it off. It, that oscillation back and forth. I'm going. No, I'm not going. I'm going. God. Um, so you know, and also. Uh, I have all this, I, I teach writing too. So I have all this like writing advice and it's all shit that I have. I just write down for other people the things I need to tell myself, you know, and the first yeah. thing I say is begin, you know, just start doing the thing. And that for me is the hardest thing. It's just to, just to start, to start doing the dishes, to start cleaning my office, to start whatever it is that, you know, and I'll do everything and anything I can to prevent that from happening until my anxiety is just completely redlined. And then um, finally, I don't know. I don't know. It's like the more that I think about it, the more it becomes an obstacle. I think that's, I think that's part of the merits of getting up early in the morning because if you get up at five, your brain doesn't start moving until eight. By then, you've accomplished all kinds of shit. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you, and and forgive me for not knowing this, but how long has it been since you lost drink? It's creeping up on 11 years. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. That anxiety thing, I, I so relate to it. I used to, I, my favorite thing to do is to lay in bed and think about all the things I was afraid to do in a day. And um, now it, it doesn't quite creep up on me as much. It's changed a little bit in that it moves around my body in a somatic way. Like I can, that's how, that's how I can identify. I'll be like, Oh, that's anxiety. Oh, weird. But it did get so bad. I had to see a doctor because I had a panic attack on stage. And, um, you know, it's like, I think that um, the reason why that question is there is because a lot of times how we deal with fear and anxiety leads us to sort of the character defects or the things you'd like to change about yourself. So like, what is What's the thing you would like to change about yourself without getting into that like self-flagellation anxiety space? <laughs> the um, funny, I, I know 
we understand in our hearts that every human experience is individual and mm-hmm. you know the worst thing that happened to you is the worst thing that happened to you you know and mm-hmm. stuff like that and when you said oh i had a panic attack on stage i was like motherfucker you got away with only having one and like every <laughs> no, time I mean- I get on stage i'm like ah another I, the last time i saw dave he was like just chilling up there and i was like man i'm gonna kick you in the shins <laughs> like, ah. um, yeah the um i think i'm still uh like pathologically insecure mm. and um which if you're a songwriter and a comic that's that's fantastic you know that's that's a career right there um but uh but to be as a human being um that sucks man yeah Oh, it's exhausting. I, um, I remember being on tour and there was like, um, it was like after a show or in between sets or something like that. And I went outside and there was like this dude in a wheelchair and then these like two hot chicks talking to the guy. And, um, here's a thought that actually went through my head, which was, uh, fuck that dude. I deserve that wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> So, so shitty, so shitty. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's real fun entitlement, man. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I deserve that. Yeah, and you know, and fortunately, you know, I mean, I have a little, a little bit of um, consciousness of self awareness. You, you know, where it's like, you know, that that thing sort of goes across your radar screen and then you're like, what the fuck was that? Mm -hmm. So I did sort of catch it immediately. Um, But I have, I have fucked up thoughts like that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a real hard time um, accepting, understanding how, you know, how sweet my life really is even now, especially now with all this shit going on. Um, And it's real, real easy to just sort of like go back to like being a baby and seeing like oh um oh that baby has that toy i want that toy you know or whatever um oh yeah or like for if at least for me it's just like uh doing stand-up it's like oh what how how do they get all these virtual shows that i ain't getting you know it's like what the fuck you know it's just it's 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 for me i i am a self-described and i think most inner some entertainers, but most specifically alcoholics and addicts, uh, I identify 100% with the phrase egomaniac with the inferiority complex. I, 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 I am either the fucking worst to myself, but I think I should be, like, should be treated like the best or vice versa, where I think I'm the best, but I treat myself the worst. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is so hard to, to at least accept it and forgive myself for my thoughts, you know, like, like when a roommate makes me mad, I'm like, man, I should really fill their room with bugs. That was his them, response. You know? I think it was specifically bees. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I bet you I can get some bees on Amazon, and there's a hole in the screen where I could just funnel the bees in. And that's a thought that I had just because I felt slighted. And <laughs> could you imagine, like, the, 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 to, to ask for forgiveness, be like, hey, uh, you know, uh, you almost died because of those 30 bee stings that you <laughs> suffered at 4 a.m. Uh, that, that was me. I ordered the bees. 
uh, on Amazon and dump them in your screen. Can, can you ever forgive me? I I was on tour with uh, with Christine Levine, who I fucking love. One of my yeah. favorite, I, you know, right. she's like one of my very close friends. Great comment. And also, we've been on tour together enough that we have that. It's like we've been in the trenches, you know. We have like, like a spree decor. And we were doing a show one time, and I, you know, saw her up on stage. And she was killing, and I looked up at her, and uh, and and she was talking about being overweight, and she was talking about her rheumatoid arthritis. And I looked at her, and I, and in my head, I was like, "Man, fuck this bitch! It is so unfair that she <laughs> has both obesity and." A fucking horrifyingly painful illness for material. She, she's, of course, she's crushing up there. She has it so easy. That is, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I love the raw honesty about that because I, I definitely, uh, especially as a comedian coming up, like dudes will walk up to me sometimes and be like, "Man, it's so lucky you're that you're like a woman of color. I bet you get booked all the time." And I'm like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> what world are we in right now?" It's that it's that entitlement filter is so fascinating. It's just um, it's amazing. And it's it's hard to you were going to say, "Go ahead." Oh, I was I was going to say, "Yeah. Uh, just don't say that fucking thought that came through your head." Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> you could have kept that. Think that. Yeah. I think I started. Like we all think that fucked up shit. Just don't fucking sure. say that. I think I started saying that back. Like you know, you could have kept that one inside, and we would have yeah. had it. We, we would have been just fine, bro. Yeah, but, yeah, but <laughs> don't say it. Yeah. now, now I don't fuck with you because you decided to open your trap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? say less. But, and, and that's, I mean, the funny part about that is, like, um, you know, that's, you know, whenever a tragedy happens in a comedian's life. You know, uh, mm. or entertainer, singer, songwriter. It's just like, man, that sucks. But boy, are the jokes gonna be fire. You know, right. like it's just like yeah. it's like, yeah, this this pain. But uh, it's gonna like I started working on the grief material. Like my my dad passed away on April thirtieth of last year, and I was on stage May fourth, working out jokes about the grief. I thought that's you were just me. I started writing jokes on April twenty eighth. Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I started, yeah, the, the, I'm like, these are going to be useful. I don't know when. And then. be but, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, Dave. With oh. all in mind, how do you experience forgiveness? <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> well, the, I think the way that like a, a layman's perspective or a layperson's perspective perspective on how forgiveness operates is that it's like a you know like a cartoon where the uh the protagonist has the light bulb come on oh forgiveness and then that's it and then they move forward forgiven either that that they're forgiven or that another person is forgiven Mm -hmm. and in my experience it's like the light bulb goes on and you're like oh i have terrible posture I now need to think about this every moment that I'm awake mm-hmm. for the rest of my life to try and fix it. So trying to, trying to, I didn't have like trying to forgive my father was one thing. Trying to keep him forgiven is another thing entirely. So it's like, it's like yoga, right? It's not going one day. It's going every day for six months or whatever. 
that's going five days a week. It's your practice, right? So it's this practice of forgiveness, you know, and I, I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time keeping other people forgiven. I have a really hard time keeping myself forgiven. Um, but also the, you know, the same way we were talking about, like, um, you know, you can make any medicine into a poison. Um, you know, when I was 21, I beat up the wrong guy, right? So I, there were a lot of factors at play there. Number one being I was 21 and he was 21 and we were fucking subhuman, you know, drunken white boys and like shit happens, you know? Um, but I refuse to forgive myself for that completely for this reason. I need to remember that I'm capable of evil, that I'm capable of violence, that I am capable of giving in to anger and fury. And I need to remember that at all times and uh, carry that knowledge with me, you know, so that w- then when I was in Chicago, I was, uh, where was it? Reggie's? Um, the, uh, some guy mouthed off and I, <laughs> I came back at him because that's what we do, right? And, um, and I guess I hurt his feelings because he charged the stage. And as he was coming, you know, the stage was whatever, three feet high. And as he was coming up on stage, I was like, well, I know where this is going to go. And he's not, we're not going to share the stage together for very long. But, and, but, and I also did the math that oh, if I, you know, uh, hit him with the right hand when he's, he's got one foot on the stage and he's sort of in the air, that's when he will be at sort of a maximum uh, instability. And that's when I will you know, knock him down. And also... I could do that. He hits his head on the corner of his uh, table and dies or because he's Mm -hmm. paralyzed. His life has changed forever. So what I did was the the moment he got up on stage, I stiff armed him, grabbed him by the collar. He clocked me in the side of the head and we fell off the stage, you know, and and then, and then the bar backs, you know, hopped the bar and got him and got him out of there. And like, so I was, I remembered, how I felt beating up the wrong guy and I didn't throw a punch. Um, so, you know, again, you know, what we're, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, forgiveness fluidity, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to forgive myself, uh, 80% for beating up the wrong guy. And then I want to carry that other 20% with. Me. Yeah. And I think it, it, it speaks to like, uh, I, I don't, I did a lot of regrettable things in my past, but I don't regret those things because they help me make the decisions that I make today in a, in a, at least closer to a better way as possible. You know, like I, I'd be the, I trust me. I've, I've fucking whomped on some people. I've got scars on above my eye from getting jumped at parties, like crack my right orbital. Uh, you know, I, used to love to get into fights, you know, and it's just like, sometimes I got to remember that it's, it's such progress for me to even just have that, that pause, that, that moment where I can go, wait a sec, because that didn't exist before. That didn't exist before I started to try to get myself right. You know, and in that, in that moment before that guy got on stage, you had run the physics and the trajectory in the, in that, 
second and then had an extra second to pause and, and make make a decision that you sound that you are comfortable with the decision that you made, you know? Yeah. 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 Yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. It's okay. You were taking a moment to reflect and I like that. <laughs> what yeah. is Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was just thinking, I mean, and it, it's not really a question or anything, you know, I was just, or maybe it's a, a long-term thing for us to think about is, you know, that we, I think we do feel regret about using and we feel regret about the, the decisions that we made, you know, but at this point, like, um, I'm, I'm grateful to be sober and I'm also grateful to have been an alcoholic. Sure. <laughs> I'm grateful oh, yeah. for all the fucking mistakes that I made mm-hmm. because they guide my decisions today. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like grateful for those regrets. You know, the um, because it I think it, it it's a powerful um, decision making tools going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I and I think gratitude in general, which will lead us into our next question, uh, ex- being able to experience gratitude uh, even in the smallest forms for me is part of what I would deem like a spiritual practice, like that I can that can feel and look. And list things that are, are are gratitudes. Anna, what do you think about that? Well, I I love that, but I want to ask you one question first. Who me? What? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard all your questions twice. Uh, what? Uh, what's the weirdest apology you've ever gotten or given? Ooh, I I I'm fuck it. I'm gonna go deep on this one. Yeah. Um. um I had this experience of um, when I got sober. I, so I didn't get sober in the program, so I didn't do, like, amends, but I did mm-hmm. do a lot of apologizing. Uh, I feel like I've done mostly apologies my entire life. Um, yeah. But I, <laughs> so I sort of did go around and apologize to a lot of people. And, um, well, and it was weird for me because most of them were like, oh, man, oh, you're fine. I was like, wait, no. No, I really, you know, I owe you an apology. And I'm like, dude, you're fine. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, the, you know, there was a, a lot of people who are like, man, you have apologized to, to me for that every time you've seen me for the last three years. Like, we're, we're cool, <laughs> dude, you know, or, um, or you weren't that bad. You know, it's like you were m- more of a danger to yourself than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Or, sure. Or, you know, compared to everybody else in the band, you were fine. Or, you know, that <laughs> But, um, there was one woman I, I went to apologize to um, after I got sober, and uh, um, you know, and I was like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I was if I was rude, if I was a creep, if I, you know, if I said you know hurtful things or whatever. Or and she was like, oh, you know, it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, and then she said, uh, did we ever actually, you know, do it? And we had, and that made me feel fucking horrible. Um, that um, I was so drunk that I had no conception of how drunk she was. I remembered myself being the drunken one, and um, she, and she said it with no. Um, with no malice or, um, 
it didn't seem like there was any trauma there or um, she just said it in sort of an offhand, like sort of matter of fact kind of way. And uh, it just made me feel terribly sad, you know, um, sad for her, sad for me, sad for both of us, sad for like humanity and, you know, in sort of writ large that um, in that moment, I had understood myself to be the drunken one, the fucked up mm-hmm. one, the one, you know, when I, where I was sort of like, oh, I've got to be careful to like hold, to, to keep it together because I'm so hammered or whatever. Um, but, uh, but like, she couldn't remember that night at all, you know? And um, I don't know. It's still, it, it still stays with me, you know, the, um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. I, um, you know, and, and I think in that moment to, to see what another human being's experience is, I, I would never have been able to even come close to thinking about how someone else experienced a moment that I experienced if it, if it wasn't for trying to go back and, and, and write some of the wrongs that I, that I, that I've made, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, you know, like, uh, and I, I jumped the gun the last time, but like that to me is a, is a practice and that's mm-hmm. whether you call it spirituality or you're just trying to practice to be a better person. Like that's part of what I deem as uh, my, my own spiritual practice. Like, do you have a day-to-day spiritual practice or, 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 or methodology that you go about uh, to, to keep your head right? I don't. Um, I, you know, I, I did a podcast recently, you know, with a friend of mine, you know, and, and he was like, you know, there is no meaningful, you know, recovery without spirituality. And he looked right at me and I was like, fuck you, you know that you're coming at me with that and I'll come right back to you. You know, that like, I'm, I am sober. I have been sober for almost 11 years now. And it's, uh, the, I just never needed it, man. I never needed it. But there is like, to, you know, to the, the idea of like a practice, there are things that I try to do each day to, to keep myself um, engaged in my sobriety, you know, engaged in moving forward. And, um, one of the things is, uh, fun, pleasure, doing something you enjoy, you know, um, you know, people are always like, oh, you eat mushrooms, but it's in sort of like spiritual, you know, shamanistic. No, sometimes it's just fucking laughing your ass off at a fart joke or or dick joke or whatever, you know, fun is an integral part of any and every recovery program. And it should be every life, man, that it's like, you got to get your like vita- your RDA of vitamin fun every day. That's, yeah. that's part of why we're here, man, is to engage with each other. And like, um, I, I tell this story all the time because it was just like such a profound moment for me. I was, I was uh, driving through Jersey, I think it was on uh, I-95, and um, I was driving my, my 1992 Toyota Previa maroon red. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, I see an, up ahead of me what else but another maroon red <laughs> early 90s Toyota Previa, right? So I, I pull up along next to the guy, and I, I, was, I was like, and I honked, you know, shave and a haircut. And he looked over at me, and he did two. 
you know, it was just like this. I was like, I'm like you, you're like me. And he was like, Eat you, you know, and we just had this and it fucking made my day. And it, you know, and I still like, I think about that dude. And if I ever, if you're listening, man, yeah, <laughs> hit me up. I will I'll buy you lunch. You know, like <laughs> 92 red previa in the New Jersey land area. Your friends, find friends. Mishka's got lunch on the table. Shout out. Uh, I, I also think that's funny when I see a car that's exactly like mine. Like I drive an 07 GTI and it's a little bit more of like a, like a, a, a culture type of automobile, but any other car I've ever had, if I see someone in the same car, I'm like, can we be friends? Like, like where yeah. that person doesn't want, the person doesn't want anything to do with you just cause you happen to bought the same car. But I want to be their friend because it's like that you see that a similar it's, you can see yourself in a stranger yeah. in that moment and it makes you smile. And I wish I could see myself in other people like that on a regular basis. I had a sponsor tell me that, um, cause I was struggling with judgment. I was struggling, especially when I first started stand up. I felt very overwhelmed by the, uh, level of people that would just come up and just like Bleh, all over me. And she, she said, she goes, you know, I had a professor tell me that if you look at somebody and you say, whether it's in your mind or you say it verbally, same as, that you will over time begin to view yourself as the same as all the people around you. And that's ultimately the goal. So to just walk around and just be like, same as, you know, it's like, I see a 2002 Toyota Prius on this road. I'm like, hey, you poor too, what's up? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that's what it is, is that, we're looking for connection. We're looking for sameness. And in this COVID times, we're sort of stretched thin on that a little bit because that the little ways in which we would connect like that before, you know, like you're in a line and somebody's like, those sneakers are dope. I have a pair too, you know, like that kind of stuff. Those little, those little things that just bring us closer together. I, I love that. That's amazing. I think, I think that's One where you things- find yeah. One of the things I really love about being in Phoenix, I moved here whatever a year and a half ago. Oh, right on. Uh, are you are you from Phoenix or no? Well, mm, I uh, I overdosed in in um, Jerome, Arizona. My car yes. was stolen in Phoenix, and I was arrested in Phoenix. So my mom did a year in Joe Arpaio's tent jail. Oh yes, I may not be from Arizona, but I feel like I checked all the boxes. <laughs> you say. I'm- <laughs> I've done some time there. <laughs> yes, I've done. I've done time. I did my. I did my nickel. You know, like I. I did it. Um, but I do a lot of stand up out there. A lot. I'm. I'm in Arizona a lot. So I. I have. A, I have a lot of love in my heart for Arizona. So I um, lived in. I, I spent most of my life living, living in New York City, and then moving to Arizona. Um, you know, and, and being a, a road person, I'm always looking for a vehicle you get, you can get into for cheap that's going to um that's going to run forever it's going to be easy to repair and that's going to be good on gas right mm-hmm. as a touring musician touring comic those are things that are all like really important to you other folks who come from a culture where like oh gas is prohibitively expensive and a lot of working people and not a lot of money are mexicans and i have so many fucking mexican friends here now just from the vehicles that I drive. I have, <laughs> I have a little 78 Datsun pickup that a friend of mine and I nice. are fixing. And, That's uh, a dope pickup. That's dude, when you get awesome. pull the transmission apart and all that shit. 
Yes. Yes. Everything, you know, can be fixed. And, um, had a guy over here who was like fixing the brick wall that was falling down. He saw the truck and he was like, dude, I I grew up like, you know, on one of those. And now we're like, we're bros, you know? And there's like guys who I've like, you know, bought and sold stuff with on Craigslist. And I'm like, that's your truck. So it's like, I'm like a Canadian in this land of Mexicans. And they're all like, yeah, come on. You know, same as, same as, you know, that's awesome. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's I, I love that. I love that in, in some ways, poverty is the great equalizer, yeah. but also practicality, you yes. know, like yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. it is. Is it's like, why would I, why would I, Mono, you know, it's exactly. Like, it's they, awesome. They're knighting you. They're giving you the, the official, you, you're the white brown boy. There you go. Yes. You can have yeah. it. <laughs> and I, 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 I didn't realize I was craving that blessing, but holy shit, it's awesome to like, roll up at a light and like, you know, have people look over and they're like, yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> just to get that nod of, I see ah, you right on. I see that's you. Rad. Yeah. That's rad. So you kind of mentioned this before. Do you have like, um, a big God concept, little God concept, no God concept. What's your, what's your relationship with your spirituality? Like I, I, I was probably like five or six. I was wearing my little green running shorts at my skateboard. I remember walking out on the driveway in Canada, looking up at the sky and being like, nah. And since then, there's never really been any question in my head of like whether God exists or not. You know, for me, it was always like, no, that's, you know, that's, that's bullshit, you know? And, um, and it didn't come out of pain or, I, you know, I was, I had a mostly happy childhood. I wasn't sort of like beat or molested or whatever, you know, it was just a sort of like sending out the radar pings and not getting anything back. And I didn't get anything back. You know? Um, a couple of years ago, I smoked DMT for the first time and I came out of that and I was like, God fucking damn it. I was so content just being a anti-theist atheist and having smoked DMT. Now I got to uh, I'm agnostic because I, you know, just, I saw some shit there that I, I just can't explain. And it also gave me a much greater sense of perspective of mm-hmm. where I am in the universe. And I was like, man, my puny little brain, how do I think that I know anything? You know, like, so I, I accept that, um, that I don't understand most of what's going on. Um, and zoom being one of them, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, um, the, so I just, I, I accept that I don't know, um, but I don't have any kind of, uh, I don't have any, you know, I always love, love it when people are like, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Ah, <laughs> off. You know, you didn't come up with that. Ah, <laughs> like, that's a well, street joke. And I, yeah. I also, and I also, and I also think that like, like words like spirituality or higher power or whatever gets so beat into the ground by people that like they lose their open-endedness. Like for, for mm-hmm. me, like higher, a higher power is just like, I had to conceive of powers that were greater than me to even let that word be part of my lexicon. So like things like music and nature and stuff like that are on paper, uh, you know, as, as a logical human being are powers that are greater than me. So that's what I, if I'm going to call it anything, it's just like, it's just, Everything that's not me, you know, because uh, uh, music is one of those. We talked about it with a previous guest, Rivers Langley. Like, I'm the type of person that when I listen to music, 
uh, I get goosebumps when I hear a good jam or a good tune. And like that doesn't happen in everybody. And for me, that is a power that's greater than me. And that's uh, like music is, uh, it, it goes stand up comedy and then music is right underneath that for me as far as the shit that really makes makes my skin bump, you know, like the thing that makes makes me like really out and has that that glint in my eye and that's that's not me that 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 is a power that is greater than me so that that's usually what i lean on as far as how i explain it the this is so a couple years ago you know a a friend who's in a sort of you know was like oh higher power it's just something bigger than you are and and people know i've gotten this thing as being the like anti-aa guy or the guy who's like (laughs) And I do, I fight with people at AA all the time. I'll fight with anybody. I don't give a shit. Uh, but I fucking love this concept of higher power, man. It's awesome. Mm. When yeah. Every person, whether you're in recovery or not, explore the idea of higher power because it mm-hmm. fucking rules. It really, I, you know, and I still, um, yeah, I, I, I still don't believe in, um, God or life force or the universe or positive vibes or any of that shit. But just to think of higher power, I can make a list of sure. like a, of 20 things of higher powers, you know, like CCR. I fucking heard those songs a million times. Still, if I turn on the radio in a rental car and like yep. sweet hitchhikers on or something, I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, or like you pull into the driveway and wait for the song to finish, you know, and, um, music, painting, uh, uh man's love for his cat, you know, yes. the, um, just like garlic, right. Garlic onions, anything in the ramps family, that's greater than I am, you know, like the, um, so there's, uh, and I, I, so I would encourage anyone and everyone to explore this concept of higher power because it, it, it ends up, being just a list of things uh, that you love, yeah. mm. you know, and, and there have been more, you know, there's been more than one time where I've sort of like, okay, let me make a list of these things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Oh, what was I worried about before? Because I just, I just made a list of 30 things that make me happy. You know, love exactly. that. I love that. And we finally made it to our last question. You've been fantastic. Mishka, right? Mishka. I said, Mishka, that's my, uh, Latino is coming out. I'm like, I see an eye. I gotta make it E. Um, so, uh, you've been a fantastic guest, and I'm so grateful that um, Dave brought you on here, and that we've all had a chance to talk. Um, my question is: Is what's one thing you would tell somebody else, just like you, in the world? What What's one thing I would tell somebody else, like me, in the world? Yeah. I would say, fucking relax, man. You know, like, um, the, what, I think one of the hardest things about dealing with, um, with people in recovery is that we're both legitimately sick and we have horrible things in our lives. And also we're fucking drama queens and Mm -hmm. both of those things are true, you know, and there have been so many times in my life where I stub my toe and I'm like, fuck the world, burn it down. And it's like, no, go put some ice on that and shake it off and start again, buddy. It's not, it's, your life is not over. 
uh, Dave, do you do this every joke you write? You're like, oh, that's the last one. Last joke I'll ever write. Ah, uh, there it is. Uh, no, I have an infinite well of funny. Uh, okay. I, you know, I'm All very... Right. <laughs> No, but it, yeah, it's just like when you come up with a good idea, you're like, well, how, it, it's not it's not so much I think it's the last. It's that point in between that joke and the next one where I'm like, well, what if what if that what if what if I what if I never write anything funny again? Mm-hmm. Like what what if what what if what if yeah. I think of it like a wave set. You never know when the next wave set's gonna come. I don't know if you've ever been surfing. It's like, it's like, okay, well, and they'll usually come in clusters and I'll have these creative bursts and then the creative part of my brain and that connection to whatever my spiritual connection is to creativity and that kind of flow. I just try to, I know that's so hippie and I hate that I say that, but it's really how I experience it. I feel like the jokes just sort of plop into my head. And then I'm like, oh, there you are. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you arrived. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and also it's just like it, it reminds me of something that mishka said earlier uh sometimes i just gotta start yeah sometimes i just when, when i'm doubting myself i just gotta start whether it's mm-hmm. joke writing or whatever i'm doing like uh like i i've been wrenching on my car i found great peace in doing so and i just gotta start because i'm not i'm an amateur mechanic i come from a a, a, a an expert mechanic as a father uh, so for me, I know I have the ability, but I, I have so much self-doubt sometimes that I'm going to fuck my car up and it's never going to run. And then I just fucking pissed away the, the four grand that this hunk of shit is worth, you know, but, but sometimes when I start and I get into it, I'm like, oh yeah, I just go slower than everybody else. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Oh my gosh. What a great yeah. podcast. I love it. Relax. We, we did it. <laughs> That's Thank you so much for having me on, man. I mean, really, some of these questions, I was like looking at this and I was like, ah, oh, this, I, it's not too late to cancel. The, <laughs> the, yeah. the, you know, or, or you can go to these questions and be like, um, you know, evasive, you know, and like, sure. oh, I, um, my biggest flaw is that I don't sleep enough, you know, or I'm yeah, too good know. looking, you know, but, um, it, they're they are they're great questions and oh, thank you. tricky to engage them and um but yeah thank you guys so much for having me this has been thank of you course. um and uh mishka has a, a new workout called cold turkey you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that and where they can find your work oh yeah uh so the uh it's an audible original that's out it's available on audible only and for the month of may until i believe it's june 4th uh it's totally free um, I hate that um, there is a recovery industry. I think that that kind of sort of tragedy profiteering is fucking despicable. So I'd like to make as little money off this project as possible. Please, if you haven't signed up for Audible to get their free trial, get their free trial, get a bunch of stuff from them for free, get this audiobook for free as well. Um, and uh, if you're if you have an Audible subscription subscription, then um, then this story is free for the month of May. Uh, pick it up, give it a listen. Hopefully, it helps you, or maybe you can share it with somebody else. Yeah, amazing. Cold turkey, cold turkey by Mishka Shabali. Had to quit drinking by not drinking. Uh, and uh, where are your social media handles? I'm at Mishka Shabali on Twitter, on Instagram. I think I'm facebook.com slash Mishka Shabali. I'm the only Mishka Shabali out there. (laughs) 
I'd believe it. Dave, where can people find you? Uh, all social media platforms at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy. And as always, 12 Questions is sponsored by Ha Ha Hot Sauce, my brand of hot sauce. You can get it yes. at hahahotsauce.com. Anna? Uh, you can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Please listen to my other podcast, Chupa and the Cobra in the morning, anytime. Uh, uh, we can all be found on the Unpops network and this podcast, you can email us at 12Q pod. You can message us at 12Q pod. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I can't figure out how to open the Instagram account anymore. I'll fix it. I promise. Until then, I'll be posting on my own Instagram. Um, and if you like this podcast, we're going to be starting a Patreon soon uh, with the video version of this podcast. So um, you can see everybody's beautiful faces and those quiet moments when they're not saying anything, but they're struggling to answer the question. You can get all of that. It'll be fantastic. And how we end this podcast every week, it's super cheesy. I know you're two tough guys, but just let me do this, okay? <laughs> just let me fucking do this. All right. Mishka, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Thank you. Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. And um, and if you're listening to this and nobody has told you this today, we love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you, love you everybody. And thanks. Thank mm-hmm. you.